It's Pete Price. If you listened last week, if you haven't, it's in the catalogue. Have a listen. I was with Lee Butler, and it was unbelievable uh, what we talked about. The passion of music, the passion about his dad, where it all came from, how he started. We touched on the raves, the illegal raves, and this week... Uh, and what I love about Lee is he's been very honest and helped so many people because of the downside, the dark side of the industry that he got involved with. Lee, thank you for talking to me again. This is going to be the hard one. It was brilliant last week. I love you to death. It was marvellous. And we've had tremendous reaction. The dark side. So you talked about your passion. You talked about the illegal raves. Everybody was doing drugs or most people were doing drugs. Where did it start to fit into your life? It, the, the whole scene of, of 1990, 1991, 88, 89, 1991, and this whole revolution of rave that came over came with, with, with ecstasy. Um, and that's where my, my drug, drug started, was, was, was ecstasy. Um, How easy was it to get it? It was everywhere in them rave clubs. Uh, it sort of went hand in hand with that real underground rave scene was the ecstasy that went with it. And do you know, lots of the, the whole, lots of that generation was were, were swept away by that. And what came with that was, was taking drugs. Now, some people did that, moved on. That was a section of the life that they left behind. They then had uh, responsibilities and commitments that came into the life. They then, you know, that scene and phase passed. They then got a job, started working, had responsibilities, got married, had children, and stopped taking drugs. For me, the use, the social use of, of ecstasy turned into abuse, um, which developed into an addiction, and they were the three phases for me. It was social use at first. People say to me, and I do lots of talks and shares in lots of recovery places, and I'm very, very honest um, about my, my, my recovery and, and everything that goes with it. It's the only way forward, is, is to be brutally honest. But people are shocked sometimes when I talk about the early start, the early days of my drug use. Did you enjoy it, Lee? Of course I did. But if it didn't, I wouldn't have carried on. Some of the early years in 1990, 1989, 1991 were some of the best nights of my life. I'd be, I'd be sitting here lying to you if I said it was incredibly painful. Then it wasn't. It wasn't. I had no responsibilities um, in 1989, 90. Uh, you know, I did no job to keep down. I was just out raving, partying, going home, sleeping it off, looking forward to next week. But that then, as as my life went forward, and I then it then went from use to abuse. Ecstasy led to cocaine, um, and it's a very very different drug. And then I obviously met my my wife. I had my kids. And my use got worse and worse until my use, abuse led my my use led to abuse where there were now starting to be consequences to my drug use. I wasn't coming home. I and was, was alcohol in it as well? Alcohol completely and utterly. I mean, seven years now since I've had a drink or a drug, um, and that the two went hand in hand for me. Eventually, I realised I I I have to stop drinking if I am going to commit to never taking a drug again because I went lengths of time in and out of recovery. I was 25 when I went into recovery. And it took me 20 years to finally stop. Uh, I stopped when I was 45 for good. And that was many attempts in different recovery programs. Um, the reason I kept relapsing after good lengths of time without taking drugs 
was when I started drinking again. As soon as I started drinking again, after nine months, six months, 18 months once, my addiction would be in there talking to me about, you'd be okay to drink now. It's 18 months, come on, have a nice drink with your missus, go out the way, don't drink and work. And this type of talk that I've now learned was coming from my addiction. Once it got me to drink, I was I was taking drugs again in weeks. Um, so, so, in your opinion, do they go hand in hand? For me personally, yeah. it, it, and yeah. I think for many that I, you know we deal with lots of people now in our recovery program. But it led me to some incredibly like painful places, you know, of of psychotic paranoia. My behaviour was was shocking. I'm the most loving, thoughtful, considerate lad that I, I'm very proud of that. Um, there's a difference between self-praise and being pri- proud. I am very proud of how, how thoughtful and caring I am. I'll do anything for anyone. I take like, great pride in, in helping other people. But when I'm under the influence of drinking drugs, my addiction doesn't care about consequences. It doesn't care if I let my wife down, if I lose my job, if I don't go to work, if I don't see my kids. It doesn't give a shit as long as it gets its drink or drug of choice. And lots of people listening will will know that. My, my behaviour under drink or drugs was shocking shocking I've like and I'll openly talk about it because I'm such a different I'm not that person yeah we say in our program you're not your addiction you look at your behavior under drink of drugs would you behave like that no the really is this caring thoughtful loving creative ambitious passionate lad really under drinking drugs in addiction is selfish you know thoughtless person who doesn't care and some of my behaviour was shocking the way I was with my wife I went missing I smashed trust to pieces I let my kids down I lost jobs I bought bars and lost them I nearly lost my house my wife had threw me out she didn't trust me at all I'd go to work and not come home until Tuesday I've been arrested uh, I've, I've been we've been scrapping in front of the kids the kids have been sobbing I've walked the streets in the rain with them I just you name it I have I've sobbed for my mum. I've like I've had a nervous breakdown, crying for my mum after days and days of use. I'm sitting in the house paranoid, like using cocaine, drinking straight vodka. Um, the kids aren't allowed in the room. I'm I'm, I'm literally thinking the police are outside. I, I'm having palpitations. I'm going to hospital because I can't breathe. I'm getting curtained off in the hospital, saying breathe into a bag. You're, you're having palpitations. Are you using drugs? Yes. I, and then as soon as me, me me palpitations stopped and I get released from hospital, I'm straight using and cocaine again horrendous horrendous behaviour um, and that's addiction that's the difference between use develops into abuse which leads into an addiction where there is literally no enjoyment there was no enjoyment for me in taking drugs in the end none but I couldn't stop I was like why am I doing something that is m- is bringing me untold misery and grief not only to me but to my family and all the people I love but I can't stop was there one final day that you said enough is enough or has there been several final days? You know, in our programme Break Free that we've set up, me, Marcus and Rachel, which we're really passionate about helping others and, and sharing the knowledge we've got about recovery, um, it's huge to, to, to speak to somebody who's, who understands and, and can talk your language and has been there and has heard their addiction talking about how miserable life will be if you quit. If you never drink again and you never use drugs again, you'll be a miserable bastard. You won't be able to go anywhere. You'll have no social life. But all these things it was saying to me to stop me from stopping. I say the same voice that talks you out of quitting will talk you into drinking and taking drugs. Oh, you can't stop drinking. You'll be miserable. But I was incredibly miserable, Pete. 
But this is the voice that's coming from your addiction. And when you understand a bit of the science behind how the brain works and the two parts of your brain that are at war, this internal battle in your brain is coming from two parts of your brain. You have your frontal cortex, which is the real you. That's where, what makes us humans different from any other species. We have a frontal lobe, which is responsible for making rational decisions. Then you have an animal part of your brain, which is your midbrain, which is the survival part of your brain, which breathes for you when you go to bed. You don't have to tell yourself to breathe. Your midbrain breathes for you. If you get hot, you sweat. You don't tell yourself to sweat, Pete. You just sweat because your body, your midbrain, the survival part of your brain goes, he's hot. I need to sweat to save him. Food, drink. I'm hungry. I need to eat. It's like you making a decision to starve yourself. You say, right, I'm not eating for two days. Your midbrain will go, I'm fucking starving. I want to eat, eat, eat. It will keep asking you to eat. That part of your brain has been taken over by drinking drugs. So it, it thinks it needs it to survive. So it will keep asking you when you quit. When I made the decision to quit, I heard it saying, you'll be a miserable bastard when you stop. Your sex life will be shit. What about them mad nights out? You won't be able to go to festivals. You won't be able to go to gigs. You'll have to pack your job in. You won't be able to go to, to out on a night out. What about your holidays when you go abroad and you're on the beach? You can't even have a... But the thing is, my addiction ruined all them things. It ruined me nights out, it ruined my job, it nearly took my job off me. I didn't want to go to work. I was letting people down, I was losing jobs, I was losing my marriage. But it's in there saying to me, your missus won't like it if you quit. But I mean, my mum's on my own. Once you understand and you can recognise your addiction in all its ways, and in the end, I learned the hard way by having to find out that there's only one ending for me if I drink and take drugs, Pete. And that's a fucking untold misery. Not just to me, but to everyone that I love. I would be, uh, that's, I know what the ending is, but it's taught me a lot of work and a lot of time and a lot of knowledge to understand that's the only ending. That's why I'd never struggle. People say to me, how do you go to work, Lee? And you're surrounded by people drinking and taking drugs. And I say, it's not just my industry. Don't think it's just nightclubs. Don't tarnish nightclubs with drinking and taking drugs. Just go to a fucking wedding. Go to a funeral. Go to a baby shower. Go to a christening. Mother's Day. Go to Mother's Day. <laughs> go to anything. Yeah. And there's people drinking and people taking drugs. Yeah. There are. I have trained my brain to see the truth. Yeah. I know drinking drugs just bring me untold misery. But I had to work really hard at, at, at a technique and, a, and the science behind it, like I explained a little bit to you there. I've got to say one thing, Lee, that you are a very fortunate person in one respect. You are a very good-looking man. You don't oh, Pete, look, thank you. But you don't look as if you've ever done drugs. And you've been one of the lucky ones. You know there's some people out there that have done them and stopped. And their face is their life. Their life but is I, in I could you know show you images of yeah. me. And I'll send you some if you want to put stuff up with the podcast. No, you want, but no, no, I've got I've got yeah. pictures of me and I share them. You know, I, I'm very loud and proud about my recovery. Very, you know, my, I, I say to people, don't be ashamed or embarrassed about your decision to quit. Don't be ashamed and embarrassed about your decision to change. Like, it's my behaviour under drinking drugs that I'm not proud of. I'm very fucking proud of the fact that I've changed. Why shouldn't I be? It's, uh, but I will, I will talk about the misery that it brought me. I've just shared lots of it with you. You know, the way I was with my wife and my family and my children and, and everything else. But I'm also under no illusion of the amazing rewards that it's brought me. And I'm very lucky in a sense that I managed to quit. And the rewards that my decision to change and to not drink and take a drug is, is, is untold. I have a box of joy now. I call it a box of pain where all my misery is. I can access that box of misery anytime I want. I can jump in that box and relive the torture that drinking and drinking drugs brings me. I do it regularly. Part of the tools that, that keep me 
where I am. But then I'll jump in my box of joy with my with my wife's in and my grandchildren are in and my, my granddaughter who spend time with and my radio shows in there and my wife's in there and my children and how fit and strong and healthy I am and how love and how creative and ambitious and healthy and wealthy I am. All that stuff in my box of joy, every single thing in that piece has come from my decision to quit. Everything. When you're on stage with Reminisce, and in particular the last couple of hours, because you close it, and it's phenomenal. There's something I haven't seen for many, many years. How do you feel about the drugs and drink then? See, lots of people say this to me. You know, I don't have to tell you what some of the online keyboard warriors are like. Oh. Like, <laughs> I, the amount of abuse I get, because people say, ah, have you got the cheek? to talk about recovery and have your own recovery group and recovery programme, which I'm so proud of. We have our own programme now, Break Free, which is which does three meetings a week. It does a walk of a Saturday morning. We have three gym sessions. We have a 24-hour support on WhatsApp. We have a team of, of people supporting all these people in the programme. Some of our team members now are people who've been through the programme who are now helping others. I'm dead proud of it, but I have people online who say to me, you've got a cheek, Uli. You're putting club nights on where people are drinking and taking drugs and you've got the audacity to go on about recovery. And I say to them, so if I stopped putting club nights on, these people are going to not go anywhere. It's my fault, is it? There's club nights everywhere. There's bars everywhere that have nothing to do with me. I'm, what I'm doing is showing people in my actions, you can have the best, most fun, liveliest life amongst club land without drinking or taking drugs. I'm, sh I'm, I'm proof of that. That's what I'm trying to do in my actions is show people you don't need to drink and take drugs. I'm not judging anyone. If people want to drink, it's fine. I, I'm, I am not capable of drinking and taking drugs and moderating it. That isn't something that exists for me. If I drink, choose to drink and take... It's not that I can't drink. People say, you can't drink anymore. Of course I can. It's a choice. That's where I have the power. The power's mine now. I've took it back. I was powerless at one point. It didn't feel like I could, but now I've got the power back. I'm not... I, if I wants to walk the pub now and order a drink, of course I'm not an invalid. I can go and speak. It's a choice. I choose not to drink and take drugs because this box of joy I've got is so overwhelming with the good stuff. I don't want my old one back. And that's the equation. It's really simple for me now, but I worked hard at that. But I don't judge anyone who goes out and has a drink. I've got mates who drink. All my mates drink, nearly enough, all of them. I don't judge them. They can go out and they have a drink and they have a good time. And they come home and they have a hangover on a Sunday and they're in work Monday. But people give me stick and say, how, how can you go on about recovery when you're putting club nights on where people are drinking and taking drugs? I say, well, okay, if I pack my job in and don't put any more of these on, you're telling me there's going to be nowhere for these people to go? Yeah. No pubs, no bars. No pubs, shut no the bars, shut no the nothing. Tesco, yeah. shut Sainsbury's, yeah. Yeah. take all the adverts yeah. off the telly, yeah. Yeah. close the billboards down. Yeah. Close all the pubs, drinks everywhere. Go to Tesco for your shopping and the signs on the walls. Well, it, Christmas has just gone. They have it by the door when you went in and when you came out. It was there and you just had it in your face. Would you have still been here on this earth if you hadn't given up? No, I don't think so. You know, I've had some horrendous moments I've had where I've sat at Crosby Marina in my car suicidal thoughts thinking I'm days and days I haven't slept I'm drinking I'm, I'm using I'm still using cocaine I'm, I'm my wife said that we're done you know that's it it's finished I can't see my kids um, no one knows where I am and I'm like I'm just gonna jump in you had a famous dad you've got a famous dad 
Billy Butler. How does he cope? Uh, my dad is really old school. Like he, he doesn't understand really a, a lot of how it works. You know, he, he said to me many a times, "I'm sorry for not knowing what you were like." And I say to him, "Dad, it's like you should not to you want not to be sorry about it. It's that you know that, that scene, and, and when you're drinking and using, a lot of the times, you know, people don't see the misery. There'll be people listening to this podcast who never even show any signs." outwardly that they really struggling with drinking drugs but they're desperate to stop that was me that was me my wife knew my wife seen the misery you know if it wasn't for my wife and the support my wife gave me it, it eventually by sticking with me if the shoe was on the other foot and i would have my wife would have behaved like i would i don't know if i could have stayed with her go missing not coming home fighting arguing lack, lack of trust fucking i mean to go to work saturday come home tuesday and just expected to go, yeah, and make me and the attitude, my ego, everything was 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 horrible. Um, I'd never hand over now what I've what I've worked hard for ever, never. Do you worry about your children and grandkids coming into this world? Um, yeah, I do. I do. I, I think everyone does. Everyone does. You know, my kids when my kids go out now, I um I can't sleep until they're home. You know, look, I'm very, very blessed to meet me, me children that are, are sent, that they're sensible. And that's my key word that they know what's the magic word. When they go out, even now at like the 23, 25, 28, you know, like they're old, my kids are home. Um, I say to them, what's the magic word? And they go, oh, dad. I say, what's the magic word? And I say, sensible. I say, make sure you're sensible. And they are. I'm very lucky in that sense that they're, they're, they're sensible. And I'm so open about my recovery. They know what where I ended up. And, and How can people find out about the organisation you set up? www.breakfreesupport.com um, Breakfreesupport.com We have an amazing programme. Um, it's going from strength to strength. Some of the, the change in people is, is, is amazing. Um, and People you, from all walks of life? Absolutely. Absolutely, we've got nurses, lawyers, solicitors, joiners. Um, you know, addiction doesn't discriminate. The best people, the nicest people can can develop an addiction. But you, I'm telling you now, if you work hard and you've had enough, you can change. And the rewards on the other side are phenomenal. Lee Butler, last week we talked music, happy, everything was great. This time you've told us the honesty of the other side of the industry, but you also said about these two beautiful boxes, one full of pain, one full of joy, which uh, will stay with me forever. That's great. What do you say to anybody out there that feels they can't go in life without a drink or drugs? People say this to me all the time. People say to me, I don't know if I've got an addiction or not. And you know, I say, look, listen, if you're drinking and taking drugs or just drinking or just taking drugs, it was both for me, is affecting your life negatively. You know it, but you can't stop. There's the problem. It's that simple. If you, your, your rational brain that we spoke about, your frontal lobe is going, I need to stop this. That conversation you are hearing yourself going, I haven't gone home again. My missus isn't speaking to me. I'm fucking hell. I haven't gone to work. I'm on my last chance with work. I need to pack this in. That's it now. I'm done. You know what? I'm not doing it this weekend. Then the weekend comes. Then your midbrain, where your addiction starts talking to you, saying, Oh, come on. Liverpool kick off early. And you've worked hard this week. Just have a couple. Don't go mad. Don't do what you did last week. Just have a few. And you get talked into it again by your addiction, even though you want to stop. 
and this cycle is continuing and you are constantly dealing with consequences you know you want to stop but you can't that's the biggest judging point there that I've explained and that will connect with a lot of people that bit just that bit there they'll go I know that's me if that's you make one of the best decisions you'll ever make make a decision to change because the box of joy that's waiting for you you won't ever hand it back Lee, how can they listen to you on In Demand at breakfast? Weekday mornings from 6 o'clock every single weekday morning. Uh, waking up with big tunes and loads of banter and loads of fun on In Demand. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. Why not subscribe? You know it's free. So join us and tell your friends. It's great going on walks and doing whatever you want to do and then putting P-Price on. We've got a back catalogue of over 100 interviews. Join us. Subscribe. It's free.